going to talk to you today about all of your ministries, not just my ministry, but your ministries. Every single one of you, if you are a follower of Christ Jesus, you have been called into ministry. And it will look different, but it has the same, the same goal, uh, the same outcome. Uh, before I get into the lesson today, uh, just be, be in prayer for uh, mine and Erica's uh, household and our family. Uh, I was scheduled to hop on a plane tomorrow and head to Africa. And, and we've been talking about this. I was going to be gone for two weeks. Uh, last week, uh, we just got word that uh, Erica's mom, Jan Brown, uh, which many of you will remember, she used to post on the, uh, the stream when she was living in Indi Indiana, and we moved her down. She's kind of rapidly been declining, and uh, this week uh, they have placed her on hospice care. Uh, so just be praying for Erica and the family, and, and also for just for Jan. She's, she's a believer, and, and uh, when the Lord is ready, uh, he'll, he'll make that transition with her, and, and she'll be in his presence uh, in, the, in the meantime, with, with that kind of coming up, we, we just kind of made the executive decision of uh, right now I need to be at home with my family. And the door will open back up for Africa, and I'm looking forward to it. And, and, and none of this caught God off guard, and so we just trust him. And, and uh, so I'll be here in town, right? Uh, doesn't mean that you have permission to call me and gripe at me, right? So just, you know, just because I'm in town doesn't mean that you can mistreat me, right? <laughs> so, but no, I'll, I'll be here in town. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, the Lord will open up Africa here pretty soon, but, but right now we're going to work on, uh, walk with the family. Amen. Amen. Uh, so our ministries, let's get into the word. Anyone in the mood to get into the word? All right. We're going to break down a passage from second Corinthians that really explains what we're all called to do. Every single one of us. If you are a child of God, you are called to be a minister. Say, well, does that mean I got to get up and talk into a mic and preach a sermon? No, yeah. it doesn't mean that. <laughs> Who said yes? <laughs> Becca. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Becca is never at a loss for words. We'll just say that. Uh, but uh, say, well, well, if, if you know. Say, so, well, my, my ministry is I, I help with this or, you know, I set this up or, you know, Dave, your ministry is preaching. No, it's not. What, what I'm doing right now is not my ministry. It's a service that I do in the kingdom. It's a responsibility I have. Uh, shepherding, shepherding the saints, that's your ministry. No, that's not. Ultimately, that is not my ministry. It's the service I've been called to do. If you make coffee, that is not your ministry. It's a service that you do. If you set up the sound system, it's a service you do. If you deliver gift bags, if you stuff backpacks, if that is not your ministry. It's a service that we are called to do, that we get to do. And, and by serving him, we, we actually get blessed, and, and it's a wonderful thing. But we have a ministry, and it's called the Ministry of Reconciliation. If you are, if you are a child of God, you have a ministry. You have a job that he has given to each and every one of us, given to me, given to you. Now, it may take shape in different forms. It may, it may, uh, you may go about it a different way than everybody else. But ultimately, that's the mission, the ministry of reconciliation. So we're going to break all this down. The word reconcile, before we jump into this passage, let's talk about the word reconcile. This is what it means. It means to restore to friendship or harmony. Right? Maybe uh, 
with the on with, with the onset of social media, there's been a lot of old school friendships that have been reconciled, right? You lost track of a lot of people over the years, and all of a sudden you hopped on social media way back uh, many years ago in the you know the the twenty teens, right, <laughs> or whatever Facebook and all those things came about, and you all of a sudden you know. I hadn't heard from people from my high school in almost 20 years. All of a sudden, I hopped on Facebook years ago, and instantly, I had more friends than I ever had in high school, right? From high school people. You went to school with me for four years, and you never said one word. Now you want to sit there and message me all the time. Uh, But what, what was it doing? Well, there was reconciling or restoring friendships or harmonies, or maybe you've had a falling out with a friend, and you, you finally got back together and patched things up. That would be a reconciliation, or you reconciled it. Or to cause to submit to or accept something. That's another meaning of reconcile, to cause to accept or submit to something. I remember when I started kindergarten, I was not a fan of it. After about the first week, I was like, what? I finished the first week. Why do I have to keep going? How long does this last? And she's, well, oh, you know, you get, my mom's like, you get out of school in X number of months, and then you have summer. Okay, so I, if I can just make it through these next few months, and we're done, right? No, well, then you got like the next thousand years or whatever. That's what it seemed like when you're in kindergarten, right? You got the next 18 years of your life or whatever to, to go to school. And man, I just, I remember I threw the biggest fit. I didn't, this was not, no one, no one asked. I had no input in this. I was not funny. I, you know, this was not, I, I, I didn't like it, you know. And finally, after, after uh, so many hours, when I finally decided it was time to go to bed, I reconciled myself to the fact that I was going to spend the rest of my life, it seemed like, in school, right? Uh, in, in other words, sometimes you're in a situation or you're under, you know, if, maybe you're on the job and they give you a new task you got to do and you're not happy about it. Well, you will reconcile or submit yourself to, oh, okay, well, I got to do this. I got to take care of it. That's another form of reconciliation. And it may not be anything negative. It may be just something that you realize, oh, hey, I'm, in the, I'm here in this particular environment. I am going to reconcile myself to this environment. Uh, I like this, to check against another for accuracy, to check against another for accuracy. When I went, through, when I went to college, the reason why I have white hair right now, Paul, at 50 years old, I look like Santa Claus. The reason why is because when I was in college, this was my, I, I worked at the, I worked my way through college at the, y'all remember Eckerd Drug? It got bought out by CVS. Well, before CVS, I worked at the DFW Eckerd Drug Main Distribution Center as a forklift driver. But what I would do, I would go in, I worked full-time, went to school full-time. I'd go in at 4 a.m. and work till noon. Woo, how about them hours? And then from 1 o'clock, I had an hour to get over to school. From 1 o'clock to 9 o'clock, I was in class. And then I was up most of the night doing homework and projects and anything else I had to take care of, get a couple hours sleep, and then be back at the warehouse at 4 a.m. That's right. So I earned this crown of glory, as David calls it in the Bible. Uh, so, but from 4 a.m., until about 6 a.m. when other employees started, started coming by, what would happen is I would have to, they would give me a printout, there would be a printout waiting of some of the inventory. And the computers would say we had 58 cases of Windex down this aisle in this bay. So I would have to go down to that aisle in that bay, hop on the cherry picker, go up, and then 
physically count how many cases, right? And go, ah, we don't have 58, we have, four, we have 47. And so I would have to change it. And that way they, well, what were we doing? We were taking a figurative, a figurative number and reconciling it to a literal number, right? So, so yeah, we are, I was checking something against something else for accuracy, right? So those are all the various meanings of reconcile. So now let's get into the, today's uh, passage. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. And this is what's so wonderful, because this passage lets you be a happy Christian. Man, isn't it so nice to be a happy Christian? Because, man, I have grown up in church, and a lot of Christians I know look like they've been baptized in pickle juice, right? I mean, they are mad, and they are, hacked, or they, they are saved, and they're hacked off about it, you know? And, and not only that, you know, the world, we got, I'm a, now I'm a Christian, and I got to live in this world, and this world's full of sinners, and you know what sinners do? They sin. Can you believe that? Look at all this sin around. We just start getting really angry about the sin and all these sinners and, and people. And people are out there. They're living, they're living a life that doesn't line up with the word of God. And you know what? I'm angry for God. You know, that, that's a lot of the religious environment some of us came up in. And yet this, this passage is so beautiful because it lets you in on the mission that God had. And he gives us the mission. And it takes really, it really takes the burden of, like if, if you've grown up and you've just been angry about your faith, you don't have to be mad anymore. Relax. You can be happy, right? Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, I love that word, uh, the way the Amplified brings that, engrafted. If, if that, that means that he's the vine, you're a branch, and you've been grafted in, right? So now you become part of that tree, that vine. If any man is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah he is a new creation, new creature altogether. Uh, L.A. Samples, uh, a preacher I used to do a lot of ministry with, good old Texas boy, he'd say, man, that means you're a new critter, something altogether, right? That means, that means you, you may have acted one way, but now you are something completely different because you've been engrafted in. Uh, the old or your previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. How many is glad you get to do a big do-over and start over in Christ Jesus? Because before Christ Jesus, man, what a mess we all were. And, and don't, don't judge us. That's the old man. He's been buried. He's been buried with Christ Jesus. So if anyone wants to talk about my past, feel free Go ahead and knock yourself out. I ain't wasting my time with it because I get to be a whole new creature with Christ Jesus. Something completely new, something completely different, right? Praise God for that. Now look, verse 18, but all things are from God. Stop right there for a second. How many things are from God? All things are from God. Now there's a great theological debate that takes place amongst those who claim to be theologians. I don't know how you become a theologian. I don't know when, like when you get that ribbon, theologian. But and it's you know, does God cause bad? God doesn't cause bad things to happen to you, or God does cause bad things. There's all these sides of the story, right? All I know is this: I I belong to Him. So if something 
appears in my life, if a set of circumstances appears, he's aware of it. He didn't prevent it. Which means he must have provision for me to navigate through this circumstance, this situation, be it good or bad. And even that, I can't trust my own judgment. You know, this whole philosophy of judge not lest you be judged doesn't just apply to judging other people. Sometimes it applies to judging situations. Oh, this is horrible what I'm going through right now. Well, five years later, you may go, whew, that's the best thing that ever happened to me. So, so no matter what you face when you wake up, whether you want to deem it at the moment as good or bad, he's already got provision. He's already aware of it. So in essence, all things are from him. He's allowed it to come into my life for the betterment, for my growth, for my evolution, and my understanding, and my faith. Right? If everything was always hunky-dory in your life, there'd be no need for faith. There'd be no need to trust him. Right? But he wants us to walk in faith. So all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself. So God himself, through Christ Jesus, wrapped up in flesh, he has now made us friends once again and in harmony with him. So you're a friend of God. You're in harmony with him. Say, man, I've been messing up this whole week. I've had a foul attitude this whole week. It doesn't, that, that's not part of it. He has, he has reconciled. Matter of fact, he has taken your figurative numbers and compared it to his literal numbers. If, if we can go back to my Eckerd Warehouse story. And he has matched it up for accuracy. He has taken your, what you believe to be truth in your life and lined it up to his real truth. Right? What a beautiful thing he's done. So he has reconciled us to himself received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself. I love it. It's the, 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 uh, the image is that he scooped us and said, no, come here to me. Isn't that a beautiful God? What a wonderful God. And gave to us, now because he's done that, he has given to us what? The ministry of reconciliation. So all of you who he has scooped up and he said, come here. I know you've made a mess of things. That's all right. Hey, I've taken care of that. Come back here to me. I'm bringing you to me. I have reconciled you to me. Now that you've been reconciled to me, you get to go and be part of this big reconciliation project. Isn't that wonderful? That's your ministry. See, I thought my ministry was to go knock on some doors. Now that's your service. I thought my ministry was to lead Bible study. That's your service. But the theme behind all of your service is this. Reconcile. Come back. Line back up. Friendship. Harmony. Submission. Wonderful. Say submission. Man, to us Americans, that sounds like a harsh term. Man, I'm American. Don't tell me what to do. I'm free. You know? But submission is actually wonderful. When you submit, he said, hey, he said, he said take, my, take my yoke for it's easy. Take my burden because it's light. When you submit to him, you get a light burden. You get an easy yoke. I don't know what kind of burden you're carrying, but if it's wearing you down, you're not carrying his burden. You may be carrying yours. You may, you may be carrying someone else's. 
You've been reconciled. You don't have to let it go. Carry his burden. Even when you go through difficult situations, you, uh, I'm carrying your burden. It's going to be light. I don't have to carry this. You're going to navigate me through it. You're going to help me through it. I'm going to carry your burden. So he's ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. So through word and deed, we can go about administering this ministry of reconciliation, right? So that means in the way that you talk to folks, it should make folks want to come to Christ, the things that you do. We're not just stuffing backpacks here on July 23rd. We are helping folks to see that they are reconciled. We are, we are expressing love through our deeds. When, when you're dropping a gift bag off to let folks know that we're here, we're not just doing it just to promote the church. We're doing it to let folks know you've got some neighbors and some friends who are already living here that if you need anything, whether you ever don the doors of this church or not, we're here. We'll help you. You know, we'll love on you. So through word and deed, word, uh, Solomon said in Proverbs that you've got, you know, life or death in the tongue. Your tongue can either be fruit or it can be poison. You get to choose. Uh, my longtime pastor, Glenn Davis, would always say that you, you carry two buckets with you at all time, water and gas. And most folk that come up to you are on fire at some place in their life. <laughs> They got a fire and you can either pour a bucket of water on their situation or you can pour gas on the situation and you get to choose. In other words, what you say, matter of fact, if you speak the truth, well, what is the truth? Christ Jesus, his word. If you speak the truth to somebody, we're actually instructed to speak the truth in love. So even if, you're, even if you're correcting someone, it's to be done in love. And historically, we've not really done a really good job on it. You know? Uh, I've, I get blasted sometimes by folks uh, who, who get upset. Folks want preachers to get up and just and, and get riled up about social issues and political issues. And, and, and all these things, well, we're, I'm, I'm about to show you why I don't get up and waste a lot of time talking about things that the media wants to talk about, okay? There's a lot already being spoken about. But, but part of it is, it has nothing to do with, I'm trying to shy away from certain topics. A lot of it has to do with, I can get up and speak what I understand and it's not going to change any opinion. It's not going to change the situation. So I'd rather just get up and speak the word of God and let the Holy Spirit do his job in your life. You know, nothing I say ultimately can change you. Nothing I preach can transform you. But his word and the Holy Spirit transform. It's, it's the Holy Spirit's full-time job to try to transform Dave Butler. Trust me, he's got his hands full with Dave Butler. So I, have, I don't have the power to change a single one of you or a single one of our neighbors or a single person in this city. But he has the power. And if I trust him, if I trust the Holy Spirit to do his job, then we'll see revival in the hearts of the, of the, hearts of the city. All right, let's keep going. It was God personally present in Christ reconciling, there we are again, 
He was reconciling, so he was making, he was bringing into friendship and harmony, and he was bringing, uh, he was, he was lining up for accuracy, and he was restoring. Who was he? Who was he reconciling and restoring? I love that word re- restoration because it always elevates the value of something. If you restore a house, if you restore a car, you may buy a house for a minimum price, restore it, sell it for thousands of dollars more, right? You can buy a car for a minimum price, restore it, sell it for thousands of dollars more. Why? Because restoration always elevates the value of something. Well, he not only reconciled us, but he restored us. So that's why when you are with Christ, what Christ has done for you has given your life much more value than what it ever had. But who was it? Who is it that he is? He is reconciled and restored. Ooh, the church, all of us, good Christian people, right? Those that, oh, he's, he's reconciled and restored those who attend Bible study often or reconciled and restored, uh, people, people who don't ever mess up. No, he reconciled and restored the world to favor with himself. Wait a minute, that's not right. Because we're, man, we're, we're all saved now. We're all part of Noah's Ark now. We're, you know, come out and be ye separate. Man, the world is bad. Church is good. It's interesting. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he reconciled and restored the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation of the restoration to favors. In other words, God is reconciled and restored the world. And he's not, keep, he's not counting up. This, this is why I don't get up here and, and, and choose. There's a lot of Christians that get so angry about the world acting like the world. You know what I'm saying? There, there's a lot of immorality taking place. There's a lot of things out there that doesn't line up with Scripture. You know, there's a lot of, of, of foul mindsets. And there's a lot of things that are being spoken that would, would be contrary and against the Word of God. I understand that. But you don't get upset at a bird if it flies, right? Why? Because that's what birds do. You don't get upset if a pig goes and roots around in the mud, do you? That's what pigs do. You don't get upset if a cow chews cud all day long because that's what cows do. Then why do Christians get so angry when the world acts like the world? When those who are ignorant to the freedom that God has already given to them acts in ignorance, you know? So I'm not going to, I don't want to waste energy and time to get up and just, can you believe the media is doing this? And can you believe they're marching about this or they're protesting about this? Or there are people that are actually upset about this? Or there are people who want to live this lifestyle, that lifestyle. Listen, I know the world's a mess, you know? And there, if, if it weren't for the grace of God, we'd be right in the middle of it. But this is why I'm not going out bashing some of my neighbors, Why? Because God has reconciled and restored 
Apparently, they were, they were valuable enough that God would robe himself in flesh and hang on the cross for each and every one of them. That means my Muslim neighbors, my Buddhist neighbors, my atheist neighbors, my LGBTQ neighbors. Am I going to sit down and theologically agree with these folk all the time? No. But I'm not going to go picket and protest and yell and get mad that they're not lining up with my lifestyle. Why? Because God has been in the process of reconciling and restoring. Say, but they're living in sin. He says that, look, he did all this so he doesn't have to hold against them their trespasses. He's canceled them. We preach it all the time. Jesus hung on the cross. When he hung on the cross, he hung for it. He died to pay the price for every sin that was ever committed and is currently being committed and every sin that would be committed. Right? Everyone following? That's what we preach. Then we get upset because, hey, this person's sinning. It's, it's been paid for. It's been paid for. You know? If I took you guys all out to eat today, say, hey, get in your car. We're going to Los Hemadores. Right? Man, you want some good Mexican food, Tex-Mex? Los Hemadores. We're going to go to Los Hemadores. Lunch is on me. Order whatever you want. I'm paying for it. Right? Hey, if we're living in a fantasy world, we'll live, it, we'll live big in a fantasy world. Right? <laughs> and then some, so some of y'all go and eat a nice, humble meal. Others of you may be like, man, give me one of everything on the menu. And then those of you who are eating the humble meal, saying, these guys are, <laughs> look at David loves, the, David Lampert loves this hypothetical. If you're like, these, these guys are still ordering dessert. It's paid for. But they're making gluttons of themselves. I, I get it. It's paid for. We'll deal with their health issues down the line. But it's paid. everyone relax. It's paid for. Okay? Now, am I making excuse for sin? No. But I'm saying this. If someone is not aware that they've been set free... How do you expect them to live like free people? If you've been set free today and you realize, and you were to go out and do something and all of a sudden you realized it grieved the Holy Spirit and you go, oh Lord, I'm so, I'm so sorry for that. I'm letting go of it. I'm going to walk away from it. Praise God. Why? Because you understand that you've been set free, that you don't need sin. He, he has set you free from the law of sin and death. It no longer has power over you. That's why you have the consciousness to be able to go, oh, I need to stop doing that. I'm going to keep, let me walk back over. Where do you want me, God? Let me go there. But if, if nobody is ever told that the jail cell door is open, they're going to stay in the cell. It's the way that they train elephants for circuses and stuff. They'll, they'll put a big giant stake in the ground with a chain around their foot. And they walk around realizing that they're chained. They can't go very far. After so many months, they don't even have to stake the chain into the ground. They just put the clamp around the foot. And the elephant has no clue that it's free to roam. And it just stays there. That's the condition of the world. But we've, our job isn't to go point our fingers into everyone's face and say, this march is horrible. This protest is wrong. Your political views are hideous. 
You're living in some sin of sin, sin. Right? That's not our job. Our job is reconciliation. Our job is to let people know, hey, you understand what God did for you? Man, my life was in a mess too at one point. I was going through something just like you. But man, when I found my faith in Jesus Christ, this is what's happened to me. And this is where I got set free from. Our job is through word and deed demonstrate reconciliation and love. Does it mean that we wink at sin? Well, if I don't get upset about sin, then I'm, then, then, then I'm giving it a pass. I'm giving folks a license to sin. Folks don't need a license to sin. They're going to sin no matter what. That's the condition of fallen man, right? But when they, get the, when they start learning to walk with the Holy Spirit, they are, they are empowered. If I didn't have the Holy Spirit in my life, I wouldn't have the power to resist sin. So we don't have to be angry about our walk with God, you know? We, we, we have this, we, we expect perfection out of people. We need perfect people to be perfect Christians so that we can be a perfect church. And anything less, well, then we're falling short. No, that's wrong. The whole fact is we serve a perfect God who had perfect blood that was shed for our imperfection. And through faith in that shedding of blood, we can be brought into reconciliation and harmony with a perfect God, regardless of our imperfections. Amen? Anyone still with me? I know, I know we want to like be mad at, we want to be mad at the world. I get it. Man, someone's got to pay. Some, people are sending out there. I feel a righteous anger. I'm, I'm angry for God. Stop being angry for God. Can I, can I, the Bible said that the fullness of the wrath of God was poured out on the cross. The fullness of the wrath of God was poured out on the cross. So when was the last time God was angry? On the cross. The wrath of God, boom, he came off the top rope uh, on the cross. And then it was paid. So you telling me God doesn't get angry when he sees how crazy people are getting out there? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Why? Because he already paid for it. Now the job isn't to go smack everyone with the Bible. The job is to let everyone know you don't have to be this way. Wherever you're hurting, he paid for it. Come on. He can heal you. Now, that doesn't mean folks are going to change into a version of you instantly. And it doesn't mean that folks are going to line up with what we understand instantly. But the truth is, when you first came to the Lord, you weren't lining up with where you're at right now instantly either. And neither was I. I am not the same person I am today that I was five years ago, ten years ago. That starts the faith journey. And that's where we get to trust the Holy Spirit to do his job. Right? So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us. So you get to be an ambassador of Christ. 
if you are an ambassador of Christ, that means that you're only allowed to, if you're going to speak on his behalf, you better make sure it's him that you're speaking for. Not your opinion, not your upbringing, not your interpretation. That's why you're to study to show yourself approved. But you get to, that's, that's our ministry. That's everybody's ministry. It's not the ministry of the pastor, the pastoral staff, the elder board. Uh, it's not the ministry of para, uh, parachurch ministries. It's the ministry of every single believer to be an ambassador of Christ. And to live for God to the best of your ability and allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen you. But to let everyone know, wake up. He set you free. The price has already been paid. You don't have to live like this anymore. All of a sudden, it, 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 it changes folks' paradigm within religion of, well, I live this way because I don't want God to be mad at me. That's not why we live the way that we do and we hold the moral standards that we hold to and we follow the word of God to the best of our ability. It's not because we don't want God to be upset with us. That's living under the law. Paul said that we've been freed from the law of sin and death. But now we live under the law, the royal law of love. Right? Husbands, you don't cheat, you, you, you don't, you don't hold true to your vows and abstain from cheating on your wives just because, well, I don't want her to get mad. I don't want people to think I'm bad. No, the primary reason why you hold true to your vows is because you love her. Why would you want to cheat on her? You love her. Same thing with the Lord. I want to live my life the best I can in obedience to the word of God, not because that's what you're supposed to do, right? No, I want to please him. I love him. And the more I understand him, and the more I understand the word of God, if I can learn, Lord, this, this is what you want me to do in my life, I want to do it because I just love you. I want to make you happy, right? So we, we need to move from this judgmental sin consciousness that doesn't, doesn't mean that you're checking off saying, oh, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with that. And that we're turning a blind eye to injustice or anything. I don't mean it that way. But, but we've, we've put so much of our energy and our anger and our emphasis on something that's already been bought on the cross, right? Paul oftentimes in his epistles compares our faith journey to the children of Israel leaving Egypt and going uh, into the promised land, Right? And, and I love the way he talks about the reason why they didn't enter into the promised land and they wandered around and a whole generation had to die off before they could enter into the promise wasn't, wasn't because of sin. Well, it was because they sinned in the desert. No, that wasn't what kept them out of it. God actually had a system to deal with their sin, didn't he? It was the tabernacle plan and the shedding of blood and the blood being applied to the mercy seat, and all that wonderful stuff. He said, look, I, I will take care of your shortcomings. I will take care of your sin. And it was foreshadowing the sacrifice of Christ. So sin was not the issue. Sin is not what kept them out of the promised land. What kept them out of the promised land was unbelief. 
He said, this is your land. Go take it. They sent spies. You remember the story? All the spies came back. Most of them said, no, there's giants there. There are fortified cities. There's no way. God's saying, I'm telling you, go take it. No, uh, there's, there's too many enemies over there. There was two spies that said, no, we can take it. God's given us this victory. Let's take it. And the children of Israel said, nope, we're going to believe these guys. Let's not go in yet. And for 40 years, they had to wander around. God said, I'm going to let that whole generation die out because I don't want a bunch of faithless people going into my promise. So in order for folks to understand the reconciliation of God has nothing to do with, you better get your life right. Stop all that sinning. No, he's paid for it. It's, the issue is faith. Do we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins, shed his blood, and rose again three days later? Faith. And if we can allow folks to understand faith through our life, the Holy Spirit will take care of the whole sin situation. He'll, he'll lead people. He'll convict people just like he convicts us. When we do something we shouldn't do, we know, well, oh, sorry, Lord, I, I know I shouldn't be a part of that. I shouldn't look at that. I shouldn't watch that. I shouldn't hear that. I, should, I shouldn't have said that, Lord. You know what? You're right. I shouldn't have said that. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. He'll do the same thing with all these folks that he's in the process of restoring and reconciling to him. That's our ministry. That's why we're not going to get caught up and get angry about everything that the media throws out there or whatever's on the news or whatever the latest political rant is or whatever the latest campaign is or whatever the latest social uh, march or promotion is or whatever. No, we're going to stick to the ministry of reconciliation. It doesn't matter what craziness the world drums up. That's what the world does. When folk read Romans chapter 1, when people said, I don't need God, and God said, oh, okay, and he stepped over, there's all kind of craziness that it lists out. Well, this, the, the, the result was all this mess. It's still happening today. When folks are like, I don't need God. I don't need this mess. Okay, I'm over here waiting on you. <laughs> folks come up with all kind of craziness. And it gets crazier by the year, doesn't it? Amen? But we've been called to the ministry of reconciliation. And so he tells them, he's telling these folks here in Corinth, he says, we as Christ's personal representatives beg you for your sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered to you and be reconciled to God. That's our ministry is to let folks know God has got favor for you. And man, we beg you to find that, accept that favor and be reconciled to him. All the crazy fluff that doesn't line up with the word of God, the Holy Spirit will trim all that off. That's a lifelong process, and we're all on that process. Let's all stand up. So this is not a place that you have to feel perfect, but it's a place that you can come and fellowship and understand a perfect God and know that he is calling us every day of our life to start matching him and that perfection to the best of our ability. And some days you'll knock a home run and other days you'll fail miserably. And he's still there. Amen. Can, can I share one more scripture? This, this, this is, I want to share, I, I told my staff about this. Um, just the other week, the Lord pointed something out. So, and, and I know that there are some of you here, you, you've been wounded in church, or you've been wounded 
in life, you've been wounded in marriage or maybe on a job or on some kind of a project or it's, it's hard to continue when you've been wounded and it's hard to feel because of the atmosphere church has created for years. It's hard for you to feel worthy when you've been wounded. You know, you feel like, man, I've, I've got these scars. I've got this wear and tear, <laughs> you know, and, and we think, you know, we, we are like, we, we want perfect people to be perfect preachers or perfect people to be perfect Sunday school teachers, perfect people to be perfect praise, you know, folk, perfect people to be perfect pew sitters or whatever, you know. Uh, and, and most of you have been around long enough, have known, you've seen the, the last several years of my life and uh, the lows and the highs and the blessings and the struggles and all that stuff. And, and, uh, and I, I understand the grace of God and I understand the blessing of having faith in him. You guys have seen me try to walk it out, but in my humanity, I'll be honest there, it, I have struggled at times knowing, feeling bad for the sake of our fellowship that I, I've got history, you know, uh, I praise God for. Erica and I, and I praise God for our blended family. We got a big old family, and it's fun, and chaotic, and uh, good times. I praise God for that. Uh, but but I hate for the sake of the ministry, and I hate for the sake of our church that 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 I don't have this spotless record. Right? I'm saying that in my humanity, in my flesh, and and sometimes it's. I've struggled with it. I've, I've felt self-condemning at times. Is that all right for me to admit? And, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking, Lord, are you sure I'm the right guy? Because there's a lot of other men and women that are probably more qualified and educated, and they don't have quite the history, right? <laughs> they don't have quite the scars. And, and, you know, we've had folks move on because it's hard for them to process a, a preacher that's gone through marital collapse and remarried and, you know, it doesn't fit all the textbooks sometimes, right? And the Lord reminded me of Hebrews 5, and I want to say this for any of you, because all of us are called to ministry. We just talked about that, right? Ministry of reconciliation. You're all called to ministry. And if you're like, look, I've messed up too much or I've made a mess and I was wounded or I was this or that, Hebrews chapter 5, I was driving around the other day, and this scripture just, the Lord downloaded it in my head, and it hit me so hard, I had to pull over and just weep. It, it was so liberating and so healing. Hebrews chapter 5 says, if a man is called from among men to be, a, to be a high priest, or in other words, ministry, and he is ordained in the way of God, or ordained to things pertaining of God, it says that he is to offer sacrifice, gifts and sacrifices for the atonement of blood. He is to have compassion on the ignorant. Now, this is all King James, right? Uh, a lot of the early scriptures I memorized as a child were coming from King James. So he is to have compassion on the ignorant, or in other words, those who don't understand, those who don't understand the word of God. He's to have compassion on them and on those who are no longer in the way. In other words, those who aren't walking the way that they should be walking, he should have he should have compassion on those because he himself has been compassed with infirmities. 
Now, some of the more modern translations will say because he himself is susceptible to sin himself. So in other words, he's to have compassion on people who are struggling because he's merely a man and he should have. But the King James brings out this, this phrase, compassed with infirmities. And it brings out an even greater understanding. The word compassed means to be surrounded and pressured and pushed in on with infirmities. In other words, sick things, horrible things, hellacious things. He is to have compassion. If, if a man is going to be a priest, and we'll, we'll just say this because we, we ordain women around here too, right? So if someone is going to be in ministry, which means all of you, you're to have compassion on the ignorant and on those who are no longer in the way because they, himself, they, they themselves have been compassed with infirmities. In other words, you have been surrounded and pressed in with horrible things. In other words, the prerequisite for ministry isn't the fact that you don't have a pimple on you and you're perfect. The prerequisite for ministry is that you've been through hell and you survived. Woo! Man, won't that hack off a lot of folk. And I felt the Lord say, it passed, Dave, relax. Put your shield down. And I pulled over and I wept for about 10 minutes. And for the first time in three years, just felt so free. And I looked up and I happened to be, I didn't even realize I pulled over in a church parking lot and I said, Grace Point. <laughs> so if you're like, look, I, man, you don't understand the beating I've taken in life. Good. Because you're here to, you, you've survived, you're still here. It means you're qualified for ministry now. <laughs> Why? Because you know what it's like. And there's a lot of people out there that need to understand that they're reconciled. And they don't need somebody to go smack them with a Bible and say, do you realize what the Bible says about that? And you're living it. They don't need that. They need to say, they need someone to go, look, I know exactly how you feel because I went through the same thing or I felt lost in my own life. And you know what? I went through destruction, but I'm here to tell you God has reconciled me to himself. And where I was lacking, he was strong. And so now I get to be strong because he's brought me back to him. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Woo! It just sets you free. You can love everyone now. It's okay. It's okay to love your neighbors. It's okay to love on and hug on people that don't see eye to eye with you. It's okay to, quote, hug on the sinners. And if you're going to hug on sinners, start with me. And then hug on everybody else in the room because you're all sinners too. All of us. Saved by grace. Amen. Ministry of reconciliation. Let's go out and help some folks be reconciled to Christ this week. That's what being the church is about. Let's pray. We're going to sing one more song. Father, we love you and we adore you. Thank you for reconciling us and helping us. Thank you for searching us out. We didn't find you. You found us. And you called us according to your purpose. That means that you have a purpose for each and every one of us. We know that that purpose is underlaid with the ministry of reconciliation. Teach us to reconcile folk back to you. And Holy Spirit, we're going to let you just do your job. We're going to love on them, and you do the molding, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Teach us to be more like you. Teach us to love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.